I didn't even have your mic up for that. I didn't even have your mic up for that. You tried to zig me, and I had forgotten to pot you up. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll say it. Oh, boy is right. Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, oh, boy, golly gee. It's Canucks Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jamie Dodd. It's Thomas Drantz. He's a Canucks insider who also covers the team for the athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, yeah, hey, it's a big day here at Rogers Arena. We're down at the rink. The Florida Panthers are on the ice going through their morning routine and of course it is Roberto Luongo night here at Rogers Arena. Drancer his current team and of course the team that he played for, team that he's now a member of the front office here uh, to play his former team the Vancouver Canucks and he will go into the ring of honor. We got a big show but coming By the up. way, by the way Yes. There is a bobblehead giveaway. I think mm-hmm. it's the first 10,000 fans oh. get a Lu- Roberto Luongo giveaway. But I do think the Roberto Luongo giveaway is really a Josh Anderson bobblehead. <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively, there are some similarities I'm there. relatively convinced that it is Josh Anderson's bobblehead <laughs> on Luongo's Canucks goaltending body. Just just putting that out there. Well, there you go. There's a bobblehead giveaway. Uh, it's going to be an, an exciting night. So if you're coming down to the game, you've got that to look forward to. we got a big show, actually, because uh, at 1230 – Dave Nonis, our former regular, now part of the Calgary front office, and of course, and big, the GM big, who brought Luongo to Vancouver. Big shout out to Peter Hanlon and Vancouver's yep. own Sean Kelso yep. and Calgary Flames PR for letting us have Dave yep. uh, to discuss his reminiscences of the trade that brought the greatest goaltender in franchise history to Vancouver. Yep. Looking forward to that. So thanks to Dave. Thanks to uh, the Calgary Flames for that. He's going to join us at 1230 uh, and at 1 o'clock, former backup for Roberto Luongo, Andrew Raycroft will join us to share his memories of sharing the crease with Roberto Luongo and his perspective on his career. So we got a lot to look forward to today. Just one thing on that, and we'll talk to Raycroft about it further, but I do want to just caption this. like, There's a lot of star-level goalies who are not fun to back up for. Mm. You know what I mean? But you look at Lou, like Corey Schneider is going to be in the building tonight. He's got a close relationship with Jamie McLennan, Noodles. Um, Raycroft, like on and on down the list. Like this was a guy who supported his backups. Eddie Lack, right? Like to a man, all the guys who backed up Lou love the guy. That's actually a pretty rare trait for goalies of his stature, but it's it speaks to his character, who he is as a guy. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. So we got a couple of different angles uh, with Nonis and Raycroft on Roberto Luongo and his career with the Canucks, and just in general what he uh, what he was as a player and as a person. Without further ado, though, let's get into it. Let's do the whiteboard for today. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? It is the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for December 14th. We'll start with the headlines, and it's the Canucks and the Panthers. Interesting matchup on the ice, but of course, as mentioned, the headline, the story going into tonight's game. Roberto Luongo going into the ring of honor uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. He's here with his family. He spoke to the media earlier today. He'll address the crowd tonight. A chance for the fans to show their appreciation 
for Roberto Luongo. And look, Drancer, when this was announced last year, about a year ago at this time, you know, we spoke about it. I, I know you've you've spoken about it numerous times. I'm on the same page in terms of if the decision was mine, he'd be going to the rafters. He'd be number one to the rafters for Roberto Luongo. I think he was that quality of player. You look at what he did for the franchise, that would be my decision. So I just want to get that out of the way. I also, though, want to, you know, I, I don't want to completely relitigate that as much as I want to make space for us remembering what Roberto Luongo was as a player and how much he did for the team, how great he was in his time here in Vancouver and in his NHL career in general. Well, and look, let's caption it this way, okay? Roberto Luongo, or Thatcher Demko, mm-hmm. first by a mile in in as the betting favorite to win the Vesna this year, mm-hmm. is sitting through 30 games for the team roughly and whatever, 20 starts for him. He's been spectacular. Nothing short of spectacular. Save percentage, 918. Okay? Mm-hmm. Roberto Luongo, save percentage through his Canucks career, 400 plus games, 919. Number of seasons in which Luongo was under 918, this Vesna level that Demko's at at the moment, four out of eight. Right? Like, And, and one of those seasons is 917. Yeah. You know, so you got this quality of performance, except sustained, sometimes for 76, 74 starts. Every single year from this guy. I don't think people I, – I, I actually think Luongo over time has become one of the most underrated players in hockey, partly because he never won a cup. But, I mean, we are talking about a without question top five goaltender in NHL history. We're talking about one of three Marc-Andre Fleury soon to join goaltenders to ever play a 1,000 games. Um, we're talking about one of two goalies along with Patrick Watt ever win 200 games for two separate franchises. Right, like we are talking about an all-time great, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and not just a first ballot Hall of Famer player, but a first ballot Hall of Fame person, um, and and having the chance, Canucks fans getting the chance to celebrate his legacy, even if you know the the particular mode of celebration that the organization has chose for him, for him is ill-fitting, is still going to be make for a special night at Rogers. Arena yeah, exactly. Night. It's it's uh, still going to be really special and a chance to, as you said, reminisce and and show that appreciation it just could have been more special yeah they could have just gotten it right in addition to honoring a player who deserves it <laughs> and i always think about it. i mean obviously there were so many moments and it was look to be fair if you're if you're doing a full remembrance there was it was a bit of a roller coaster at times and i know luongo talked about this in a great interview uh, on our station with halford and bruff earlier today that you can go check out but you know if, the thing that really stands out to me is and we'll talk to Dave Nonis about you know the decision to go out and acquire Roberto Luongo the process of getting that trade done but there's so much hype there's so much excitement when that trade happens and then the season rolls around and he was just like he could not have lived up more to the hype he plays 76 games that year drags the team into the playoffs drags them to a playoff win in which they get shut out three times in the series but still t- somehow win the series it, that that season really stands out to me as one of the great individual campaigns in Canucks history and there are other highs here obviously you know including winning the gold medal in Rogers Arena going to the Stanley Cup final but that first season to me is is Still what I think about when just what Roberto Luongo could do at the absolute peak of his powers as a workhorse goalie. 76 games played. 76, 76. games played yeah. in that season with a 921, and that's in a league where at the time average save percentage is 905, which is actually just about where it is today, right? Except no goalie's going to touch 76 games. 
You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to come close to playing 76 games by the time it's all said and done. Um, you know, w when you think about it, when you think about that workload, when you think about what it actually means for a team, right? Um, the, <laughs> the, the rate at which a team would have scored on a league average goalie that season, taking as many shots as Luongo faced, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, you're looking at like 200 goals against for, um, or sorry, you're looking at, yeah, two, 200 plus goals against for an average goalie where Luongo allowed uh, 171. That's 30 goals. Like he was worth 37 goals to the team that year in, in goal, in, in goals against. I mean, that's outrageous stuff. Like think about, if you think about like Dom LeCision's net rating model, which mm -hmm. Quinn Hughes has been first in the league all year, you know, doing stuff unseen since Bobby Orr, his projection has never hit more than like 20 on the full season. You know, it, it, the level at which Luongo hit in 06-07 should be like that is the most valuable single season performance we've ever seen from an individual player in a Canucks uniform ahead of Henrik Sedin's Art Ross year ahead of Daniel Sedin's Art Ross year, ahead of Pavel Bure's 60-goal season. Like, that's the number one most valuable individual season a Canucks player has ever provided to this franchise. Not even that close, if you really think about it in raw mathematical terms. And, I, you know, as you mentioned, part of the issue or whatever with his legacy around hockey is not winning a cup. And I also think not uh, actually winning a Vesna plays into that as well. And that year, of course, Marty Brodeur oh. wins it instead, but Luongo finishes second in heart voting ahead of Marty Brodeur. How does Brodeur, that make sense? Right? So, Shocking stuff. You know, it, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where if you really want to pick holes in a resume for some reason, you know, you hold it up and say, well, he never won a Vesna. But when you dig a little bit deeper into it, he was a Vesna caliber goalie. Like, were, that can be true without him actually having taken home the trophy. There were two years he should have won the Vesna: 03-04 with the Florida Panthers and 06-07 with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, but Brodeur won in both instances, but Luongo was the best goalie in the league both of those years, uh, and and by a fair margin. Uh, Brandon Vancouver makes a good point. Seventy six games with Vancouver too, which has one of the toughest travel schedules uh, in the NHL. Oh, That's outrageous stuff. Well, and the next year he plays seventy three and. I, you know, I don't know how how well people will remember this, but right toward the end of that season, Luongo's wife, Gina, has a, a difficult pregnancy, uh, the birth mm. of his firstborn, his, his daughter. And Luongo's, like, traveling back and forth, right? Like, he travels from Florida one day when the team's on the road and meets them in Minnesota and plays that night. And down the stretch of the season, the Canucks fade. And at the time, people were saying, well, it's because of Luongo finishes the year having started 73 games with like a host of family complications traveling hither and fro across the continent 917 save percentage but with like 10 games to go he was at like 924 you know what I mean like he was just as good the next season it's just that the club encountered some obvious regression with a team that could not score a lick uh, down the stretch and ended up missing the playoffs and he was like roundly blamed for it which is classic yeah right? because that's yep. that's another part of Luongo's legacy right like <laughs> When you think of 2011, when people think of 2011, they always bring up Luongo's performance. The team scored eight goals in a seven-game series. He had a shutout in that series. He had two. Two, that's right, yeah. I, I mean, my goodness. So, anyway, uh, Roberto Luongo, I actually think, is vastly underrated, and, and that's a point kind of underlined by the fact that he's only going into the Ring of Honor, where he'll sit between Harold Snapst and Orlin Kurtenbach, two proud Canucks players, but as a first ballot Hall of Famer, it, you know, that... <laughs> 
it doesn't make sense to any right-thinking person. Uh, so that's the headline for today. We can dive in a little bit more to the, the on-ice matchup later on in the show, but I do want to keep the uh, whiteboard rolling here as we get into the broad sheet and the rumors and the rumbling section of the whiteboard. And Jim Rutherford, yeah, we've heard from him once or twice <laughs> this week, a couple of sit-downs, did an interview of Donnie and Dolly Media yesterday, Blitz. and did an interview on our station with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah on Canucks Central yesterday. And one series of answers really, really stood out to me. No surprise that it's about Elias Pettersson and his contract situation. You know, obviously the most pressing personnel issue or, or, or at least the most interesting personnel issue around the team right now. So I want to play this in Rutherford and then we can talk about it a little bit. Here is president of Hockey Operations, Jim Rutherford, last night. Yes, there's no urgency here because he doesn't become unrestricted for another season after this. So there's just been good communication between the organization, the player, and the agent. There has not been any negotiation at this point. Um, and, you know, we're we're hoping to get to that at some point because Patterson is such an important player. He's a terrific skilled player. And, uh, you know, we want to we wanna get to the point that, that he's comfortable with, with uh, what he can make stand here and be a big part of the future of this team. Elon, can you play the rest of the clip that was up on Twitter as well? Because there's a couple of other answers there uh, from Rutherford that I think are really interesting as well. Just let me know when you have that ready to go. But even in that answer, uh, there has not been any negotiation at this point. We're hoping to get to that at some point. And that, again, is that new information? Not necessarily so, but I think that's maybe the most bluntly we've heard it stated, right? That... Yeah, no, there haven't been any negotiation. We would like to negotiate. We'd love to negotiate. We're hoping to get to that point, but it just hasn't happened quite uh, as of yet right now. It's a phenomenally interesting piece of hockey audio, right? Mm -hmm. And Rutherford goes on and discusses a couple of other really interesting things. But from, from what we've heard so far, and we'll get into the rest shortly, you know, the it really underlines the lack of change in the dynamic, despite the optimism that we briefly sort of flirted with uh, in the ether there. Um, this organization and Pedersen have remained at an impasse since the summer when Pedersen elected to go through this season before negotiating an extension. Well, let's just hear the other part of uh, Rutherford's answers on Elias Pedersen as well. Because Pedersen is such an important player. He's a terrific skilled player. And, uh, you know, we want to we want to get to the point that that he's comfortable with with uh, what he can make stand here and be a big part of the future of this team. How does it affect your future business that that it isn't done yet? Uh, it affects it a little bit because in an ideal world, um, we would like to know the, the status of the uh, PD's contract first and. Uh, but it doesn't affect it to a point that, you know, we're upset about it or it bothers us. It may just slow a few things down, but the things that it slows down, there's no urgency on them. So it, it's, it's, it's okay. Would your preference be to, get, to have a max term deal with Pedersen? Uh, very open, very open. My preference and the organization's preference is that Petey gets a deal that he's comfortable with. 
So that is Jim Rutherford, and that last bit, again, goes very much to the, you know, almost explicitly saying, hey, the ball is in Pedersen's court. We're yeah. ready to do a deal here. As and any co- any type of deal. Exactly. Our preference, yeah, hey, I'm sure they'd love a max conference or max term, but what what do you want? That's our preference, Petey. That's our preference. What you want. What, what's our preference? A deal. Yeah. And by the way, I actually think that's the right way of looking at it. Like, when, when there were discussions sure. when there were discussions earlier this fall and into the summer about what sort of term the Canucks should want, um, you know, people are used to certainly from from us, certainly from me in in, in analyzing deals like max term is, is stuff. But I, I actually think when you're on your third contract, by the time you're talking about a player's third contract, it's it doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. You know, the the value in max term for me is coming out of an ELC. You lock in a guy. Um, you know, you lock in their prime at a, at a certain number and, yep. and use that cost certainty. That's actually the part of the interview, by the way, that I found most interesting was Rutherford being explicit about the value of cost certainty in, in planning, right? And he sort of says, you know, there are some things where we'd love to know his status, but they're non-urgent. Well, it, does that does the non-urgent things include like Heronic? Does it include Besser, who becomes extension eligible this summer? Does mm-hmm. it include... Zadorov, Lafferty, like everyone who's expiring, like can you responsibly do Heronix next deal if you don't know where Pedersen comes in at? Is sort of, you know, now Rutherford I thought wasn't obviously going into that level of detail and depth, nor would you expect a top executive to do so, but I thought his answer, I thought his acceptance of the fact that not having cost certainty with Pedersen beyond this year, um, you know, is inconvenient, does slow things up. I thought that was unique, uh, and and I thought I, like first of all he's dead right, but it's rare that we hear executives be honest about that sort of stuff. Often you hear, have them spin. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just like plain forthright, clear from Rutherford, and and I found that part uh, interesting. In addition to the, you know, dynamic of hey, like whatever you want, we really just want to negotiate with you. Um, in line with the Alvin meeting report, right? This organization wants to be seen it clearly. Um, doing what they can to keep Pedersen. Yeah, and again, it's uh, I think that was the most the most illumination we've got from the Canucks' perspective, kind of on the record about where things currently stand with Elias Pedersen. And look, as Rutherford says, they don't they they've been very very clear. They don't make they don't have that sense of urgency. And you know, earlier in the week in the sit downs, he said, you know, we ha- it's not a, we haven't got any indication that he doesn't want to be here or anything like that. It's just negotiations haven't started. So. You know, you want to. I, I want to keep this in context, right? It's sure. not like Rutherford's not out here <laughs> raising the alarm or anything. But I just, nor are we. No, absolutely not. It's just the longer negotiations go without starting, right? It's notable. It's notable that negotiations haven't started well, here. Well, and, and there's some rules that we've had. This isn't us pulling some rules out or like contextualizing this to be, um, you know, to hyperventilate in any way or to be sensationalist about, uh, you know, a, a situation, but. You know, we one of our rules we often talk about are the closer you get, the easier it is to explore mm-hmm. other options, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Canucks, Rutherford, over the course of this media blitz, kept saying stuff like, you know, we and Alvin said this repeatedly, we have his rights for next year, we've got lots of time. But, like, when he's out of contract and needs to be qualified and then has arbitration rights, um, that time goes quick. Like, yeah. how, how responsibly can you enter... Uh, Pedersen's final year as an unrestricted free agent, how how touch and go do you have to be if Pedersen's 
sort of answer at the end of the year is, I want to go one year. Let's go to arbitration if you, if you, you know, or I'll accept my qualifying offer. I mean, at that point, your antenna have to be raised to the point where you're managing risk as opposed to managing a relationship, right? Um, and we get to that point way quicker than 18 months. We, yeah. we, we're at that point in six months. So I, I do think that's one part, you know, forthright answer in a lot of ways on the status of negotiations, on the benefits and the, and the drawbacks to a team of, of not having cost certainty locked in with one of the team's top, top skilled players. But I do think the one thing that, you know, was said over the course of this week that I, that I sort of side-eye as being not quite true is the, oh, we have lots of time. We have his rights through next season. Um, I, you know, this is a situation that will come to a head in some way over the course of the summer without question. Yeah, it's gonna. It feels like something that's gonna be resolved one way or the other, yeah. in a good way or a, or a not so good way over the summer. Uh, lineup notes for today for the Canucks versus the Panthers. Uh, optional morning skate, but Talkit confirms that Pew Suter will return and play on the fourth line. Neil Zaman will come out. Uh, Zaman putting in some really good minutes on the penalty kill, but he'll come out of the lineup. Suter will play on that fourth line with Phil DiGiuseppe and Andre Kuzmenko. And maybe not tonight because it's Suter's first game back, but I'm very curious to see how, if at all, that line's usage changes now with a, a more established, uh, you know, credible NHL center in Pew Suter between Phil DiGiuseppe and Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah. So the, first of all, I think a Phil DiGiuseppe, Pew Suter, Andre Kuzmenko fourth line can score. Mm-hmm. I think there's like enough offensive push. Now, uh, do DiGiuseppe and Pew Suter are no one's ideas of offensive superstars or juggernauts of any kind, but both are pretty consistent middle, like top nine, middle six rate scorers, uh, large sample at five on five over the course of their careers. Um, this is not Kuzmenko playing with your average fourth liners. This is, this is a line that you, you should expect, especially against fourth-line competition, especially against, like, the Lamborghini, uh, Ryan Lomberg and, and company, who, you know, Lomberg, by the way, is, like, my platonic ideal of a fourth-liner. It's <laughs> so fun. But I, I, very seriously, like, against that quality of matchup with a player like Kuzmenko who scored 40 last season, like, or very close to it, you'd expect them to be able to generate at least some consistent offensive threat and I think that's a bar that they have to hit. Like, that's the bar for me for Kuzmenko tonight, in addition to, you know, all, uh, the the detail stuff that's kept his minutes sort of low. I, I think we need to see Kuzmenko play, um, you know, uh, help stir the drink as that line looks to control play, at least come out even and, and generate some offensive threat. And then Pew Suter and Bluger, I mean, how many games have we seen them play together? Not many. No, that's true. Um, you know, this team's center depth tonight – is going to be a strength for yep. the first time in a long time, um, or at least at full strength for the first time in a long time. It's uh, I'm really interested to see what that looks like. Canucks playoff forecast quickly still at 95% chance to make the playoffs, 13% chance to win the division right now, 25% chance to finish second, 32% chance to finish third. So still the, uh, the balance of probabilities in that second or third place spot in the Pacific division right now. I won't belabor it anymore. They didn't play last night. Yep. No one really important played last night. Betting odds for us. <laughs> the uh, Canucks line has moved since we did this yesterday. The Canucks are now home dogs, plus 105. Oh. Panthers are minus 125. Uh, the over-under has also gone down to six. You can now buy it at six with steam on the under, plus 105, uh, minus 125 on the over. And I did want to highlight one futures bet, which we don't usually do on a game day, but 
in terms of regular season awards, we've seen some movement for a key Canucks player in the Rocket Richard race. Ah. As Brock Besser, of course, tied Austin Matthews for the lead in goals with a three-goal hat-trick performance against the Lightning on Tuesday. He's now 14-1. to 14-1, to uh, still behind Kyle Connor, Nikita Kucherov, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, David Pasternak. And Austin Matthews. What a list of names. Pretty good, some pretty good goal scorers he, in there. He was at 25-1 to 1 before the hat trick, scores a hat trick. He's now 14-1 to 1 behind a who's who of the most lethal goal scorers in hockey. You have yourself a first half, Brock yeah. Besser. Incredible stuff. Pretty good company for Brock Besser. It's Luongo night here at Rogers Arena. We will talk to former Canucks general manager who made the trade to bring him to the Canucks. Dave Nonis joins us next here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.